Welcome on to The Backstretch. I'm News 5's Heather Williams, and it's race week in Bristol. The Bass Pro Shops Night Race is considered one of the crown jewels of NASCAR, I think, by most people at this point. It's going to be an exciting night. 16 drivers come in. Only 12 are going to advance the playoffs. We know who one of those drivers is. That is Christopher Bell. Other than that, it is wide open. And I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this in NASCAR where there's been so much uncertainty for the playoffs in a round. With two non-playoff drivers winning in the first two races, it just made this wide open, and I love it. I love chaos. Uh, I do a lot of appearances across the country for different people, and they always ask me about chaos, and I, I always choose chaos. It makes it a much more enjoyable race experience for the fans when you don't have any idea what's going to happen. Now, it has been interesting this week in the races. It hasn't been those tight, crazy finishes like we saw last year out here at Bristol. But this is a completely different car, next-gen car. Nobody really knows what to expect. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be chaos. I think there's going to be people racing all over the track for position, paying attention because drivers one point might make a difference between them getting in the playoffs and not getting the playoffs. Even at two laps down, it might be that important. So I think it's going to be great. So – Coming up in this podcast, here's what's going to happen. We're going to talk to Chris, as always. He's completely entertaining. He loves Bristol, so he's probably more animated than most weeks. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then we're going to have Chase Briscoe, one of the drivers trying to get into the chase, into the postseason. So we'll talk to him about Bristol. And then we're also going to chat with NASCAR and NBC's Dale Jarrett. So let's get this party started. I'm joined, as always, by our crew chief, Chris Carrier, who also happens to be the crew chief for the number 75 Food Country Truck in the Camping World Truck Series. Bubba Wallace dominates the final 50 laps at Kansas to pick up his second career win. He's also put the 45 team in the second round of the owner's playoff. Two straight non-driver's playoff teams win to open the playoffs. What does this all mean? Well, one thing it means is that you are a happy girl, for <laughs> sure, and the Kansas City Chiefs, too, with that. But... Um, you know, this is kind of like probably setting things on the ear a little bit. The last part you mentioned about, you know, two non-playoff teams, drivers, getting wins the last couple weeks, that's, uh, oh, and we have 18 different winners. Incredible for the parity in this sport. But, uh, you know, now it comes down to, okay, we're going to Bristol and somebody's got to win the race. And the, and the playoff guys are like looking, can I do this? You know, three weeks ago, I would almost have said Kevin Harvick's the, the favorite. And now uh, he's got to finish the race without crashing and burning, literally. So uh, it, 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 it has turned a lot of things around. Uh, kudos to the... 2311 team of Bubba Wallace, Booty Barker, all those people. I don't know the names, but um, we were talking before the show started. This, to me, is no surprise. I don't know why it's a surprise to anybody because that team has just been linearly climbing up, going better and better through this past section of the season, six or eight, ten weeks. Now they, now they win a race, and they do it in pretty dominating fashion the last part of the race. Good day for Toyota. But, uh, man, good to them. I, just, I think it's a great thing. I'm, I'm glad. I don't, I don't want to hear any more rhetoric about this, that, or the other with Bubba Wallace and credibility as a driver or that team, credibility as a team or whatever. I mean, 
it, it's going to bounce off deaf ears. So good for them. Good for them. I think a good weekend all all way over. You mentioned the playoff race at Bristol. The only driver locked into the playoffs going into this week is Christopher Bell. And the only driver that has to, that absolutely has to win to get in is Kevin Harvick, to, which to me says chaos. So yes. is Bristol going to be chaos? Uh, yes, with a capital <laughs> K. <laughs> But uh, a capital concrete, let's put it that way. Uh, I think it will be chaos, Heather. It's uh, this uh, with two non-playoff winners, you know, nobody. That, that's an amazing stat, Christopher Bell being the only one that's kind of guaranteed in. I think if anybody would have said that even a month ago, you'd have committed him into insanity asylum <laughs> or something. But uh, good for him. But, you know, Kev Kevin Harvick saying that, that point, he's got to win to make it in. Man, that's, uh, you know, this is his, one of his favorite tracks. And all those other guys that want to punch their ticket, this is a track where anything can happen. And um, I, I'm just, you know, it, man, it's Bristol. It, it can't, you know, it can't be any better than I have this race at Bristol. Uh, the only thing better would be to have the championship at Bristol. So, uh, it's, man, it's going to be an exciting, exciting weekend. Good stuff. So a big announcement late last week, NASCAR announcing that we'll return the All-Star race to North Wilkesboro. I've been advocating about this for a long time, and a lot of people already know how I feel about that. But from a team perspective, what does it mean to have the All-Star race at North Wilkesboro? I, I think, it, Heather, uh, good for you for maybe you're the one that, that hammered enough to get this to happen. But uh, um, I think overall it is going to be very well accepted, and it's going to be very exciting from the uh, what I got out of the late model races and even the modified races being run over there, it, you know, people were, it, they had packed stands and people coming out and there was just a lot of general excitement and a lot of fun and a lot of, uh, lot of intensity in the racing. And I think that's what you're gonna see. I think, I think these guys are gonna look at this better than what they looked at at like the Coliseum race. They're gonna get an opportunity. I can be the guy to win the first race back to one of the favorite, most iconic races, hardest racetracks there is in the whole nation, and I, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a really cool deal. I'm glad to see it happen. I know a lot of people shouted for joy, and uh, plus, it's you know, it's right here in when I say our, the the you know the major uh, portion of the teams in all three top series of racing, it's right here in our backyard, and it's a, it's a place that. That is, I think it's. I think this is going to be well accepted. Big announcement earlier today that Kyle Busch will be joining Richard Childress Motor or Richard. Start that over again. I don't know why I wrote Motorsports three two. Big announcement earlier today that Kyle Busch will be joining Richard Childress Racing. He was the prize of silly season. What do we think of the move for Kyle and his truck team? Well, I will say this. A uh, couple things about that. It it has. Uh, I can tell you from experience all day well, several days here, but it has turned the truck series racing world upside down simply because of the ramifications. Now, I, I do feel with everything that Kyle's team is gonna be fine. They're gonna keep doing their business as is with some adjustments, obviously different body styles. It will probably shake up their driver's lineup somewhat, that, that all those details will be hammered out pretty soon, I'm sure. Um, I, I don't. I don't expect anybody to be losing jobs or anything like that. It's just going to be a rearranging. Teams like ourselves who do some business there, and you know, may you know, we may or may not have to adjust our approach 
and see what happens. But there's other teams that kind of depend on them too. Um, I, I got to, you know, one thing, it's going to put Chevrolet automatically, there are going to be more competitive Chevrolet trucks automatically. And there's going to be probably, well, those three that run full time out of their Toyotas that aren't going to be there anymore. So they're going to be looking for replacements. But, you know, this is, uh, I, I, I'm glad for the people that are part of this. I know there's everybody's glad that, okay, the big announcement's over with. We know what's going on. There's a few details here and there to work out, so on and so forth. But, but it'll be fine. And I think it's going to be odd for some people to, you know, see Kyle in a Richard Childress Chevrolet. But, man, get used to it. It's happening. You have been trying to conquer the last great Coliseum for years. What's the key to getting around this half-mile concrete short track? Heather, it's a tough race on the driver, physically, mentally, psychologically, the whole thing. So he has to be prepared. He's got to be on his best. Most of them are because they really enjoy running here. It's a lot of fun for them, and it's one of the, it's one of the trophies that they want to have. It is one of the best trophies, actually. But Bristol is, you know, it's a fast half-mile short track with a lot of banking. Uh, you've got to make sure that all your mechanical stuff is solid, bulletproof, because you can have some failures there. Um, the, the drivers themselves, crew chiefs, are going to have good communication. Okay, what do I need the most here? Normally, you, your goal, your, your toughest accomplishment there is to have good, adequate turning ability in the center of those tight corners, okay? Uh, because you're carrying a lot of speed through there and the radius is pretty tight, tighter than it actually looks from the grandstand. So having good turning ability in the center of the corner is the, it, it, it's the thing you have to have to have good success. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to accomplish, especially for the cup guys through a 500 lap race. It's tough to keep that thing turning in the center of the corner. And uh, if you can though, it, it gives you usually to where you can drive up off the corner a lot better. So, uh, you know, we've had some success there. I felt good about some races. Uh, I've had some races not so good there, but it's always the same. And then you just try to keep out of that trouble there that, that uh, you don't want to be one of the cautions. So it's tough, but it's going to be a wild weekend. It's going to be an entertaining weekend. Man, it's Bristol, baby. It's going to be <laughs> intense. It's going to, man, be there. Be there. You got to be there. It's, it's a place to go. Best races of the year, no doubt. So first of all, just talk about coming back to Bristol. You were pretty close to uh, to getting it done at the dirt race. How excited are you com uh, to be coming back on concrete? Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, for me, I, I would love for it to be dirt again because I felt like it was a really good race for us. And, and just being a dirt guy growing up, you know, I enjoy running on the dirt. But yeah, just super excited to, to get back to Bristol. It's one of my favorite racetracks. I feel like that's a place that I've always had good speed at and yeah, I mean, can't think of anywhere better than to uh, end this first round of the playoffs than there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's definitely, out of all the tracks in the first round, that's the one that I've been the most excited to get to. So, glad it's finally here. You were uh, part of a pretty dramatic finish. Um, do you expect more of that this time around? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be chaos this time around. Uh, you know, not even just for the win, but literally, I mean, all throughout the field, every point's going to matter. Uh, just how these playoffs are right now. I mean, the end of the race is going to be literally insane, I think. And truthfully, all 500 laps, I think, will be wild just because this this next-gen car has not seen anything like Bristol ever. I know all my team guys are literally double, triple-checking everything just because the car's 
the car's not seeing anything like Bristol. And, you know, we've already had some mechanical issues throughout the year. All the teams have. So just trying to double and triple check everything to make sure that we don't miss anything um, because Bristol will, will literally show any fault or any type of weakness you have in a car. So, yeah, definitely uh, think it's going to be intense from start to finish and uh, looking forward to it as a fan. I'm excited to see how it turns out. But as a driver, I'm really excited, too. So how do you approach this with so many drivers? Because really, Harvick's the only one that did a must-win situation. With so many drivers and so many different scenarios, can you keep up with the point or you just have to run as good as you can and then hope it all works out in the end? Yeah, I think, at least for me, I don't think I'm going to even ask about the points until probably the end of the second stage, just because then you're going to know what you have to do. You know, the stage points can change a lot of things. You know, for us being nine points back, if we can go – score 18 points or, or so you know in the first two stages well then that changes our whole outlook the rest of the race where if we don't get any stage points those first two then we're probably gonna have to win the race so I think for me I'll probably ask after the second stage but it's so hard because I mean it literally changes lap after lap it's just there's so many circumstances that can change things so yeah I mean I think even asking at the end of the second stage it's nice to know I guess who you're racing but at the same time until the checker comes out and you, you finally you know, get out of the car and see what, what happens. There's really not a whole lot I can change either way. I'm trying to get every position I can one way or the other. So, yeah, just kind of got to go there and see how the cards fall, and hopefully they fall in our favor. Um, I know NASCAR has never really seen anything like this, but in all your years of racing, have you ever seen anything like what's about to happen this weekend with so many drivers so close and even going forward? It, it just seems like it's going to be a dogfight the entire playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say I've never – I've never raced in a series or, you know, any type my entire racing career where there's been so many guys that can win. I mean, literally it's like over half the field that can go and win on any given week. And, you know, then you throw in the playoff situation and the points and it's just, I mean, it's literally unlike anything I've done before. So yeah, I definitely think it's unlike anything that we've had in the past with NASCAR. And I think that's a testament to the next gen car and just everything that NASCAR tried for it to be, it's really turned out to be just what they were hoping for. So, yeah, I think they did a really good job of, of making it where, you know, the the parody is there a lot more than before. And, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to continue throughout the playoffs. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if more non-playoff guys win than playoff guys throughout the entire playoff races. Why is that? Why do you think that so many non-playoff guys have a chance this year as opposed to previous years as the car? Yeah, I think the car for sure. You know, in the past, you know, there were 16 guys that made the playoffs, but realistically only eight to 10 of them were up front week in and week out. And even out of that eight to 10, I would say there's only four or five guys that were literally in the top five, uh, pretty majority of the time. And, you know, I think with the old car, you know, the teams just that there was a lot more, you know, separation team to team and driver to driver just because the equipment made such a big difference where now, every team has the same equipment. So there's really not that, you know, difference in the field and time and just all these things. So, yeah, I think now, you know, before you go to the racetrack, you were racing, you know, eight or eight or 12 guys for the win, or now you go there and you're racing 20 to 25 guys for the win. So it just made it where everybody's got the same stuff and it comes down to execution and your driver and how the teams can bring a setup. And it just has definitely made the playing field a lot more even, I think from the top teams to the mid tier teams for sure. So I find that interesting because, even saying that still the top teams are at the towards the front of the point and still have risen to the top and have been the teams that have made the playoffs. Sure. Some of the mid-tier teams have wins, but you guys, Stuart Haas, Joe Gibbs are still towards the front. I'm guessing organization still matters then. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, organizations still matter because, I mean, the more money you have, the more resources you have, the more people, all that definitely makes a difference. But before, you know, with the amount of people we had, the amount of money we had compared to some of the mid-tier teams, you know, we could buy speed in our cars. We had just a lot more things that we could use to our advantage where now, I mean, literally the worst team in the sport has the exact same car that we have where before, you know, they were generations behind where we were just from a technology side and information side where now it's it's all the same. It's just trying to, it's like a rat race, trying to figure out who can figure it out the fastest. So I think now, I mean, it still makes a difference. Obviously the top teams are always going to be the top teams, but, you know, I, I think you look at a, you know, a JTG and, and, and places like that that are more of the mid-tier teams with people and, and resources, and now they can go, and yeah, they're not as consistent as the big teams are, but when they hit it right, they're equally as fast as the top teams in the sport. And I think that's kind of where the next-gen cars made a big difference. Joining us now to talk about it is Dale Jarrett from NASCAR on NBC. First of all, thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you. And really looking forward to this weekend. So let's talk about this. I don't know that we've ever had a race that feels the way that Bristol does in the playoffs. So many drivers still alive, just one locked into the second round of the playoffs. What is it going to be like this week? You know, you, you think of a normal Bristol race, just everything that goes on in it, uh, whether it was a playoff race or even uh, back just a few years ago when it was towards the end of the regular season, just how crazy things would get with drivers doing anything and everything to either try to lock themselves in a position to be in the playoffs or just get that victory that they haven't had this year. Well, now we have that in a cutoff race. Uh, here uh, for the first round uh, of the playoffs. And you know, it, it's almost cruel as I think it, of it from a driver standpoint of the pressures that it adds uh, to these drivers at such a, an, an intense race to begin with. This is one of the most uh, grueling mentally and physically challenging races that these drivers face all year. And then you add the pressures of, hey, it's a cutoff race. My season racing for a championship may be over. And for four of those drivers, uh, that's going to be the reality at the end of Sunday night. So I expect a lot of pushing and shoving and doing anything and everything to try to win because there's a few drivers that that kind of know, even though everybody is mathematically eligible to, to move on in points, um, somebody like a Kevin Harvick is going to have to win this race and very capable of doing that. So how much then does the drama of the fact that we've never run the next-gen car on this surface at Bristol add to Saturday night? Oh, these drivers, I've talked to a couple of them, and, and they, are, they, they haven't had this much uncertainty since the beginning of the year when they hadn't driven these cars in a race yet uh, because they just have no idea that the, the things that go into getting a car prepared at Bristol are really unlike anywhere else. Dover would be the closest thing uh, that they come to with the, the concrete surface and the high banks, uh, but still the loads that are put on these cars uh, at Bristol, and you're talking about running 15 second laps here. Things happen so quickly. They're just not sure what to expect. They expect something different than they've ever felt here with any car that they've run because they know that's been the case with this car, but their, their concerns are that not having, they're only going to have 20 minutes to get these things kind of ready and prepared uh, for practice and then qualifying. And so to try to make changes from that and be ready for a 500 lap race is going to be incredible. And pit stops, it's not like you can make a lot of changes there during the race if you're not on it, because that happens so quickly and track positions important. So a lot up in the air with that. 
you mentioned the 15 second laps. Obviously you've made laps around Bristol many times. How physically and mentally demanding is Bristol? I, you know, it's just incredible. Let's talk about the mental side of it because you, you talk about 15 second laps. It, it's almost like at times, uh, if you're not careful, especially when you get into long runs throughout the race, that you really have to concentrate on which end of the racetrack that you're on because they are. They may look very similar, but they drive totally different. And so the mental aspect of it, uh, which is everything happening so quickly uh it, it's easy to kind of get lost at what you're doing plus you have the competition out there and now that we have two and three grooves to, to race in uh really makes things even more difficult for these drivers and then the physical side of it this is yeah it, it's it, fortunately it's not a day race to where it's extremely hot but but still inside these race cars it's going to be well over 130 degrees in these cars so uh it takes it out of these drivers they understand it but when you add the mental side of it and the physical side of it it's just one of the most taxing 500 laps that that a driver puts in and, and you add the pressures then of everything going on that that only makes things more difficult for these drivers and and what happens in their mind and trying to keep your focus you know you're going to run into people and people are going to run into you trying to keep your cool if you will is going to be a difficult thing to do <laughs> yeah we've definitely seen that before um so you talked about the pressure and you also talked about the guys that are trying to get in this seems like for the first time in a long time there's no favorite on the front end going into the playoffs it seemed like it was chase elliott but he stumbled in the first two races out of the gate so is there a favorite for the playoffs this year <laughs> Oh my gosh, you had it exactly right. That was my thinking that Chase Elliott was the favorite. So what have the first two races uh, of these playoffs shown us that uh, there's a lot of pressure because a lot of mistakes. Uh, there's been driver mistakes. There's been a lot of mistakes on pit road that have cost these. So when we talk about the pressures, we're talking about the drivers most of the time. You see the, the pressure that the pit crews are under to perform here. And, and even though pit stops have changed this year with the new car uh, in a lot of ways, uh, they're still there's very little margin for error in this and whenever you lose just a little bit of time uh, you put your driver in a bad spot so a favorite I, I can't see a favorite I mean uh, it's just hard to say that anybody has stepped up if there's one driver that really has stepped up and he's the only driver that has made his way through and he knows he's going to be in the round of 12 is Christopher Bell who has done a really a phenomenal job all year he only has the one win but he, if you look at the whole season, he has probably been the best car at Joe Gibbs Racing on a weekly basis. He's had speed. He does a lot of good things. And when their pit crew doesn't make mistakes, uh, then he finds himself in the mix up inside the top five. So I, I can't really put Christopher Bell. I love his driving style and his team. It's hard to make him a favorite right now, but he is the one that's gone through. And I just haven't seen anybody else. If I were going to put another one there, it would have to be Denny Hamlin. He's doing some of his best racing, two seconds so far in the playoffs. I really believe that um, he, as the driver, and his team have given him the right car. But, man, they make a lot of mistakes on pit road, and that could be costly as these playoffs wind down. For my final thought today, I want to talk about Bristol. I mentioned it in the monologue is Bristol one of the crown jewels of NASCAR? I say yes. Every driver that you talk to considers Brittle, Bristol either their favorite track or one of their favorite tracks. You're really hard pressed to find anyone in the garage area that will say something bad about Bristol. And particularly this night race, the gladiator feel, the Coliseum, the way the track races, short track races, every driver 
wants to win here. The trophy, the sword, the whole pomp and circumstances. So is this a crown jewel race? I say yes. I think most people say yes at this point. It's not the Daytona 500. It's not the Southern 500, but it's definitely a bigger deal to win here than, say, Indy in the road course race or Kansas. And I would say it's pretty much on par with the Coke 600 at this point. So, I don't know. Crown Jewel, I say yes. Thanks for joining us on The Backstretch. We'll see you next week.